Back Porching Podcast is brought to you in part by Legacy Now. Legacy Now is a ministry I lead that exists to serve those that serve others, primarily in the student ministry space. If I can serve you for more information about my ministry or to connect with me on social media, you can find more information at LegacyNow.me. That's LegacyNow.me. things that have been stirred and putting back here on the back porch the last uh, season and a couple just quick ideas that I think uh, for me have been helpful just to talk about with some friends and with some others and I hope that it'll be helpful for you too. So let me jump into it. Uh, the first one is this really interesting thought that happened when I was I started in student ministry. I was on staff with Campus Crusade and my director at the time used to, to make this statement. We talked a lot about uh, building movements on our campus with students and he would use this phrase a lot. You got to move with the movers, move with the movers. And I remember my relational side when I first heard that didn't like that because that statement in itself means you need to leave people behind. And that's not what he meant. And as I've gotten older and have been in student ministry for a couple decades now, um, I actually use that phrase a lot. I think I've used it 20 times in the last couple of weeks in different situations. But I, that phrase just means a ton to me. And let me unpack that for you, and I want you to think about it even in your own world. I know a lot of you who listen lead groups or are part of different groups and, and ministries, and so I just wanted to challenge you with this thought. The idea of moving the movers is you go with the people who want to go somewhere, because if you don't, you're stuck. You go nowhere. That's exactly where you go. And so if you're trying to build a movement, you've got to go with the people who want to go somewhere. So like in the context of a small group, you can only lead the people who show up. So if people don't show up or if they're not committed to it, if they're not engaged in it, it doesn't mean you don't love them or you don't care about them, but they're not really ready to move with a group. And what that means is you just have to say, here are the ones who are showing up. Here's the people we can do something with. And you build movements with movers. And it's a really simple concept, but if you really unpack it, it's really fascinating how often, especially me, bleeding heart, I want to keep keep hanging out with someone or keep investing in someone and just hope and hope and hope. And that doesn't mean that over those seasons, God didn't do something or something changed in someone's heart. But at the same time, you do have to gather some movers who want to go somewhere else. You're going nowhere. And that thought for me uh, has evolved a ton over the over time, but it's been a really important thought. And it's been a thought that for me has been crucial when it comes to small groups, because if, uh, People are excited and engaged and wanting to be a part of it, and they're jumping in. That doesn't mean they're always talking. That doesn't mean it means something different as you learn how people are wired. Sometimes it just means they're there because they're an internal processor, and they're naturally not going to say much, but they're in, they're engaged, they're listening, and they're participating. Those are the people who you can build something with. You can't build much with people who don't want to do anything. And uh, I think for me over time, I've really wrestled with that because I, I want to believe everyone can be a part because they can because I believe God has a heart for everyone at the same time if you're trying to build something you do have to gather those who want to do something and want to go somewhere and those people change over time I, I really I think as much about dudes who used to be in small groups who quit coming or disengaged for whatever reason as they do the guys who stayed in small groups the whole time and uh, my current group which I love they're, they're these freshman dudes mostly and uh, we've had a lot of change in personnel, even in the first couple months of getting this group off the ground. 
and uh, the guys who aren't a part of it anymore or aren't as engaged anymore, I still care about those dudes a ton. At the same time, my charge as a leader is to lead those who show up and who have the margin or have the ability to be engaged in it. And that doesn't mean I don't not care as much about the guys who don't come anymore. I do. But we're moving and we're going to go somewhere. And we're going to go somewhere with the people who want to go. So I just want to challenge you, uh, what, however that connects with you, in a leadership standpoint, as a small group standpoint, uh, think about that for you. What does that mean to you to move with the movers? What does that mean for you personally? Are you moving? Are you going somewhere? Are you doing something? Or is this a season where you need to reevaluate where am I going? What am I doing? Am I moving? Am I around other people who are going somewhere? And uh, it's a good challenge. I've got a couple friends who are always dreaming and always uh, chasing new ideas and sometimes they overwhelm me because I, I get real happy with the things I'm doing but I love being around them because they challenge me to keep moving and not just settle for whatever is my current situation but to always be dreaming about not just what's next but what's now towards what's next like how am I going to engage in the now and to move towards what's next and not just wait for it and it's really easy for me to say if you know how I'm wired that's not who I am I'm more of an in-the-moment kind of person, but at the same time, my brain over the years has drifted to thinking more about uh, the movement and how do we grow things. But movements don't happen quickly, typically. It takes time, but it does take focus, and it usually takes a leader or a gathering of people who want to do something and go. And so I just want to challenge you, wherever that might connect with you. Are you moving with the movers? Are you a mover? Or are you going somewhere with them? So that's salt one. Uh, thought two I've been wrestling with for a couple months now, and it's not an easy thought. And I, I want to be honest with you, when this thought was shared on the back porch from a, a very good friend, it really struck me deeply. And uh, frankly, it stopped our group. Uh, we were in a small group that night, and a friend shared this. And uh, I've wrestled with whether to share this or not. I think it's appropriate. But uh, he mentors some people who navigate through some addiction issues. And unfortunately, one of the guys that he has invested a lot of time with uh, had a relapse. And it hurt him because he loves this guy and has walked through a lot with him. And was hoping that um, the trajectory of this guy's life was moving in a good direction. And unfortunately, he made some, some unwise choices. And it crushed him. It crushed my friend because he cares about him. And in the middle of that, there's actually a couple um, of the men that he invested in who made some unwise choices and, and relapsed. Um, one of the leaders of the organization he works with a lot uh, told him this statement. And when he said this statement, I'm not kidding you, it stopped the presses. That's an old school. You can Google that for uh, you young ones. And that's assault. For some people, relapse is part of recovery. I'll say that again. For some people, relapse is part of recovery. Just think about that statement. Gosh, I've wrestled with that a lot. I've wrestled with that back here on the porch with a bunch of people the last couple months because uh, it's true. And it hurts because I want to believe that if I'm struggling with something, I can go to Jesus and he's going to give me the freedom and the hope to be able to move on from it. And we especially, for whatever reason, want to believe that for someone else. That you can just pray or confess and find freedom and just move on. And gosh, wouldn't that be awesome? And in some cases, it is awesome, and it is true. But for some other issues, it's not always that easy. It's not always that simple. 
and the road to recovery is marked by uh, some challenge. And for some people, that challenge involves relapse. And it's easy to think about that maybe if you don't struggle with addiction for someone else and go, well, just get over it or move on however you're wired. But for me, um, gosh, I've had to wrestle with this thought um, from a place of grace and empathy and look at the plank hang out of my eye, not the speck out of someone else's. And it's really been an interesting thought. It's really stirred some stuff in my heart and led to some great conversations back here uh, on the porch the last couple of months. Just the idea of relapse as part of recovery. And I don't want to accept that as a whole because I want to believe in the, the power of Jesus because I do. But the other side of that is what's true for you to true for me. We tend to accept our failure sometimes easier than we accept others. And we seem to see other people suffering as a weakness, and yet we rationalize our own. And in many ways, we re relapse in our own ways and our own struggles. Maybe it's not addiction, but maybe it's some other things. And we give ourselves grace for it all the time. I just want to challenge you to think about that statement. In the middle of that, I read this quote from uh, actually Charles Dickens, an uh, old writer. He said this, suffering has been stronger than all other teaching. And it's taught me to understand what your heart used to be. I've been bit and broken, but I hope into a better shape. And gosh, I think that's that's it. I think sometimes God takes our bad choices and our suffering, and he uses it to bend us closer to Jesus. And sometimes it takes a relapse to get us there. And again, I'm not saying God allows relapse. Don't theologize that too much. don't think that's a word. But uh Whatever. Um, I just want to challenge you with that thought. Relapse is part of recovery. And uh, to think about it for yourself. And that's not a, that's, gosh, it's not a, it's not freedom to relapse. That's not it. It's the ability to uh, wrestle and come to terms with the fact that we're all on this crazy trip of life. And that our struggles are unique to ourselves, yet there's some struggles we all have. And that for some of us, the journey is marked uh, by the really trying to get to that point of full recovery. And uh, man, I tell you what, that thought has really, really, really stirred a whole bunch up in the back porch. And every time I share it, I see it in someone's face. Uh, a couple weeks ago, a good friend was, was back here. We were talking and I mentioned that quote and I saw it. He was just like, oh, I was like, I know. I've been stirred on it a couple months and I'm still there. He was like, wow, that one hurts. I'm like, I know. It does. It's just one of those things that uh, is unfortunately true. But at the same time, uh, for me, it's given me more hope and, uh, and really honest belief and strength in the context of grace and empathy, but also the power of prayer and, and friendship and being there for each other. And when a brother falls or a brother struggles or I struggle, understanding that recovery is still possible. And you're never out of the fight. But gosh, I wish that wasn't part of the story that relapse is part of it for some of us. And I just wanted to challenge you to think about that. Whatever that means for you, maybe it means welling up some empathy for others. Maybe it's understanding that you're not out. And so if you've struggled and you don't feel like you can move on, you can. And you will through the power of Jesus and the hope of Christ. I believe you can. I believe I can. And my own struggles. It's just one of those things that 
uh, that thought of relapse as part of recovery has really, I tell you what, uh, it really has just uh, led to some phenomenal conversation uh, about grace, hope, and truth that uh, has been unreal, frankly. And I wanted to share that with you and just in the context of challenging you in your own heart and your own journey of leading others, but also yourself. Last thought. And it's a simple one. It's one you've probably heard a thousand times, but I want to challenge you as you're hearing this, and, and I'm on the porch tonight thinking about it. Um, recently, I had a conversation with someone back here, and we we landed on this this idea that so many of us struggle uh, to a degree of uh, we're defined by what we do, or we're defined by who people think we are. And uh, you've heard this a billion times. Some people, you know, our identity is who's next to us, and if we're dating someone, or if we're married, or whatever, or if, uh, you know, whatever that is, we live in this weird world of social media and all that stuff, and uh, we care about likes and all that kind of stuff, and we can allow that to influence us. And really landed on this super simple thought that we've all heard before, but we need to hear again. It's really about whose we are, not who we are. Meaning, in this world, a thousand and thousand and thousand things will define you. You might be a brother or a father or a husband or a friend or a son. You might have a job. You might be a part of something, whatever that is. You're, there are literally thousands of things in this world that will identify you. But what defines you? There should only be one thing that defines you. And if we're defined by our relationship with Jesus and let that be the filter for everything else, we can focus on whose we are, not who we are. And that if we are his first, that perception game that we play of what people think about us kind of fades away. Kind of wanders off a little bit because we can just focus so much on who we are in Christ. And the challenge of that, of course, is continually reminding ourselves that. That's sticking our nose in God's word. It's listening to him. It's spending time with him. It's talking to him. It's listening to things that help us reset our brain and remind us who we are in him. And I'll just speak for my journey. I know that I'm a big music person, and there's seasons where maybe I don't listen to as much music that um, prompts my heart to think about my relationship with God. And I can tell in my actions, in my heart, in my language, uh, where that leads me. And so frankly, even the last couple of weeks, there's been some some challenges and just some, some bad luck breaks and some some things, and, and I saw some something in my spirit. So I... I went back to this playlist I made. I think I shared this in the last podcast. Of just cheesy Christian songs from like the 90s and 2000s. And I can't quit listening to it. And it's been so restorative to my soul. Because those songs remind me of times and places where God was faithful. It reminds me of the fact that God's still faithful now. And it's speaking truth to my life and my heart. I need to hear. And I need to hear constantly. And it reminds me whose I am, not who I am. And that I'm not defined by who I am. I'm defined by whose I am. And I don't know where that strikes you. I say tonight, it's late night on the porch as I'm saying this. I don't know when you're listening to this, but whatever you're listening to this, I don't know how this strikes you. But uh, I really would challenge you to hit the brakes and just ask yourself this question. What's defining you right now? Are you being defined by the small parts of your identity? Or are you being defined by him and him alone? It is so easy to say that. But it actually takes work, and it takes focus to actually do that. 
I wish I could say I'm the expert and I can give you 10 tips to being defined by God. Uh, I'd be lying. It's something I've thought about a lot over the years and I've actually frankly worked on and been intentional about. But it's not easy. Gosh, it's not at all. But the power and freedom that comes from realizing whose you are and not who you are is unbelievable. And it's really a key that unlocks a lot of, I think, the life God has for us. So those are just three quick thoughts uh, from the porch tonight. I'll remind you of those again. Move with the movers. Uh, sometimes relapse is part of recovery. And uh, let's focus on whose we are, not who we are. Those are just three thoughts that have been uh, percolating here on the porch the last uh, season. I want to share those with you. And I hope that's helpful for you or causes you to think a little bit. So a couple questions to think about on the, on the way out here. Uh, one, when it comes to moving the movers, like I said earlier, who are you moving with? Where are you going? And are you moving? Uh, relapse is part of recovery. I want to challenge you to think about um, just that thought. I love that quote from Dickens about um, the suffering bends us into a better shape. Uh, if you're walking through something yourself or you're walking through something with others, are you trusting God to help that situation move them closer towards God, good or bad? And Boy, again, that's easy to say, but it takes a lot of faith and friendship and uh, belief to trust and allow that to happen over time. And the last thing is who you are, not who you are. If you've never done this, I would challenge you. I did this a couple of years ago, and it was it was amazing. Take a minute, pull out a piece of paper, and just write down all the things that identify you. And I couldn't believe how many things I wrote down. Uh, it could be how tall you are, how short you are, what your hair is, or if you don't have hair, quit laughing or whatever that is. I love coffee, or I like this, or whatever that is. You will quickly just write so many things that identify you. And then look at that list and say, am I defined by any of this? Am I allowing this to be the thing that ultimately I allow to define me, or what I want people to think about me? Or am I defined by the fact that I'm a child of God? That's a very powerful exercise. I challenge you to do that. Well, hey, thanks for hanging out on the porch with me. I look forward to talking to you again next time. See you soon.